Hello, welcome to the IDEAS podcast. Inclusive, digital, educational, anti-discriminatory alternatives. You're listening to module 4, Body, Health and LGBTQI plus rights. Episode 1, When the Queer Alphabet Meets the Gay Agenda. Queering the Feminist Agenda. This is the first podcast of Color Youth, Athens' LGBTQ youth community. What do these weird LGBTQ letters stand for? Do unicorns exist? Do people live in their closets? These and many more questions will be answered in the next 30 minutes. If you have questions about gender and sexuality, if you are questioning your gender or sexuality, if you don't understand why all these labels exist, you're in the right place. We will try to answer the questions we had in the past and the questions people are asking us when they hear we're queer. Welcome to the first podcast of Color Youth LGBTQ youth community. My name is Jay and I use she, they pronouns. I am Kate and I use she, her pronouns. This series of podcasts has been created based on our experiences and knowledge as LGBTQI plus activists and queer femininities living in Greece. Before we start, it is important to mention some trigger warnings. As we will talk about gender and sexualities, we will also mention physical characteristics and stereotypes. Though we try to make this podcast as smooth and less hurtful as possible, it may upset you. So it's okay to skip any part of the podcast, pause or even withdraw from the podcast if this feels the best for you. Shall we start? You may wonder what these letters stand for in our name. LGBTQI plus is an acronym standing for lesbian, gay, bi, trans, queer, intersex, and plus stands for all the other members of the community that are not mentioned on this acronym. You may have heard these words as an insult, but many people around the world use them to identify and express themselves, to express their sexuality and gender. Speaking of genders, how many genders do you know? Okay, this is a tricky question. Let's start from something familiar. I identify as a woman, yes? Yes. So I am a woman. I am also a woman who can become pregnant. Can't all women become pregnant? No. no. But we will get there later. So let's say that I become pregnant. At some point of my pregnancy in my doctor's appointment, she, the doctor, asks me if I want to know the sex of the baby. Okay, pause. During my pregnancy, the doctor will tell me the sex of the fetus and after giving birth, the doctor will clarify this so important. So important. Information for my baby. So this is how the story goes. The doctor during my pregnancy will say, congrats, it's a boy. And after the labor, she will also clarify, it's a boy. My family will visit us with blue balloons, all shades of blue clothing, and will expect the kid to get a great masculine and boy's name and the life continues. 
When the kid is five, the blue room will be full of boys' toys, such as cars, guns, soccer balls. And of course, the uncle will ask if the boy has a girl. Of course, a girl. If not yet, the boy will have one soon. At 10, 12, 15 maximum. Boys cannot be late on these things. Also, never forget, the boy has to be loud and a bit violent. After all, it's a boy. This is how boys react, right? In this way, a boy will become a man, a masculine man. We'll find a feminine woman and they will make beautiful boys and girls. Only boys and girls. And live happily ever after. Some of you may question, did you really decide to start your feminist podcast with a man? Well, not exactly. This potential lifetime story of my imaginary child is an example of heteronormativity. Heteronormativity includes all the cultural and social practices where individuals are being led into believing and behaving as if men and women are the only existing genders and heterosexuality the only conceivable sexuality. So based on a given label during the birth, society expects a whole life for a person because this is considered the norm. And yes, maybe not all societies follow strictly this heteronormative rule and force people to behave and live in a specific way. But in most of the societies, this label is present in every personal official document. This might make sense for medical documents. Just might. But it is also documented in official documents, our passport, job, or school application. This label is called sex assigned at birth. Sex assigned at birth is based on some physical characteristics, genitals, hormones, chromosomes, and reproductive organs. As sex assigned at birth, we usually meet the labels male, female, and intersex. When a newborn is at birth assigned as female, society again expects for this person many things, usually the opposite of a child who is at birth assigned as male. To be cute, quiet, feminine, talkable. To play with dolls and like the pink color. To become a woman and fall in love with a masculine man and to get pregnant and become a mother. And again, all these based on some very specific physical characteristics. However, there are newborns whose physical characteristics or combination of them don't fit in the female or male box. These newborns are assigned at birth as intersex. For many years, there wasn't a choice for intersex in medical documents. There were only males and females, and people who didn't fit in one of these categories had to undergo unnecessary and harmful surgeries and procedures in order to fit into these boxes. Oh well, this is still happening. A lot. But many countries have added now a third option in the documents. So they have male, female, and intersex or other. This other thing is also problematic. But at least societies and medical communities are making baby steps. Here we need to make something clear. Sex assigned at birth is not, quote, the real sex, unquote as many people say. Why? Because it is just a given label based on some physical characteristics and for many years, and sometimes nowadays, we were trying to fit people's lives and physical characteristics on these labels that we, the people, created. So what if a person doesn't fit in the box society puts them in? For example, what if my imaginary child, who has at birth assigned as male, tells me at some point that she feels like a girl or a woman? 
important at any point in time. Maybe she's five, 15, 25, 55, 85. I hope I'll be alive then. Huh? <laughs> so what happens then? Then you will tell her that she's indeed a woman and you love her. Yes. At any point in her, or better my life, when my child comes to me and tells me that she is a woman, I know that she is because this is gender identity. Gender identity. Gender identity is the internal sense of being a woman, a man, neither of these, both of them, or another gender or genders. Gender identity is not necessarily seen by others. It may be the same with the sex that was given to you at birth, or maybe not. If sex assigned at birth matches with person's gender identity, then this person usually is cisgender person. We also call it cis. For example, my sex assigned at birth is female and I feel a woman. So I am a cis woman. If sex assigned at birth doesn't match with person's gender identity, then this person may be a transgender person. We also call it trans. For example, my imaginary child. Her sex assigned at birth is male and she feels a woman. So she is a trans woman. As we mentioned before, gender identity is not divided into man and woman. There are many more genders than these two. For example, a person may identify as non-binary. Non-binary may be a person who falls completely outside the categories of man and woman, or maybe a person who identifies as both. For me, being non-binary means not being a woman exactly, definitely not being a man, but just being me, a femininity who is not exactly a woman. But for another non-binary person, it can mean something totally different. Non-binary can also be an umbrella term that includes some other gender identities that do not fit into the strict boxes of manhood and womanhood. For example, gender fluid, meaning a person who doesn't identify with one gender or has a fluid gender identity. Another example is agender, that usually refers to people who don't identify with any particular gender. This can mean being genderless, lacking gender, or having no gender. However, people also use a gender to identify as gender-neutral or having an undefinable gender. Are they still there? I hope so. Another gender identity that may fit under the umbrella of non-binary is gender non-conforming. This usually refers to a person who doesn't adhere to the traditional gender expectations of their sex assigned at birth. There are more gender identities that fit under the umbrella of non-binary, but at the same time, many people who identify as gender fluid, a gender, and gender non-conforming do not identify as non-binary. Similarly, even though we often expect people with these gender identities to be trans, because their sex assigned at birth doesn't match their gender identity, this is not always the case. Why? Because, yes, these definitions have been researched and analyzed theoretically. And yes, this is their most popular use. But there can be many variations depending on location, context, culture, and how each person feels, understands, and expresses their gender. This is also applicable to cis women and men. What means being a woman to me can be very different for what it means to other women. Let's talk about gender expression. 
Gender expression is a thing, and no, it is not the same thing with sex assigned at birth or gender identity. Gender expression is the manifestation of our gender identity. What do we mean by manifestation? Clothing, hairstyle, voice, body shape. These are just some examples. Gender expression can be characterized as feminine, masculine, androgynous, queer, and many more. Again, it is not a binary. For example, I would characterize my gender expression as soft butch. Whoever knows me, don't laugh. Given the above-mentioned examples, I like wearing more masculine clothes, meaning yes, I buy clothes from the men's section. Oh, I hate this segregation. Yes, me too. I also like having a short haircut. At the same time, I have a high voice, which is stereotypically considered feminine, and a body with some curves important here. Regardless my gender expression, I am still a woman, a cis woman. Saying this, a cis man can wear skirts and have long hair and still be a man. Same thing with trans people. A trans woman can wear masculine clothes, have short haircut, low voice and a muscular body and still be a woman. Kind reminder, trans women are women. Similarly, a trans man can wear, have or be whatever he or they want. And because we stayed a lot in the binary, non-binary people do not owe androgynous gender expressions to anyone. A non-binary person can wear and be whatever feels better for them. Also, gender-fluid people who feel sometimes women and sometimes men don't have to dress feminine when they feel as a woman and masculine when they feel as men. And general, person's identity value does not depend on how they dress or how they express themselves. Something that was surprising for us some years ago, but what makes sense is that pronouns are also included in gender expression. Yes, for example, the trans man we mentioned above uses he-him pronouns and they-them pronouns. Some of the pronouns that exist in the English language are she, her, hers, and he, him, his, that were considered for many years as the only acceptable ones for a person to identify with. They, them pronouns existed but were used only for plural regardless of gender and when someone was referring to another person without knowing the gender. Nowadays, many people use they, them pronouns for themselves, as these are considered gender neutral. Also, people have started using other pronouns, zee, here, hears, and others that are also considered as gender neutral. There are more pronouns that exist, but we haven't mentioned, and there will be many more in the future, because language is a tool we use to express ourselves and is as much alive as we are. Reminder, pronouns are different in each language. However, as this podcast is in English, we focus on English pronouns. Another reminder is that cis people have pronouns too, and it's important to share our pronouns, not only expecting it from trans people to do so. And no, it is not an excuse that pronouns are obvious, because they're not. Pronouns aren't something we can make assumptions of. Just because someone looks feminine, it doesn't mean that this person uses she-her pronouns. And even if this person uses she-her pronouns, it doesn't mean this person is a woman. Let's talk about sexuality. On this podcast, we use sexuality as a general umbrella term that includes our romantic and sexual feelings and attractions to people. Yes, there are many attractions. 
We will cover only some categories that we talk about more frequently. For example, a lot of people use the term gay to mean that they are sexually and or romantically attracted to the same gender, while the term lesbian is often used by women and femininities who are sexually and or romantically attracted to women or femininities in general. Even though these are the most common terms you may have heard, there are people with different experiences who use other words or terms to identify with. An example is my cousin Maria, who brought her girlfriend to a family dinner last week. Of course, everybody assumes Maria is a lesbian, except from her grandfather, who still thinks they're best friends. <laughs> What my family doesn't know, but we do, is that though Maria has a girlfriend, she's also attracted to men. Thus, she identifies as bisexual. Bisexual or bi is a person who's attracted to two genders, in this case, women and men. Another example of two genders is a person that can be attracted to is non-binary and women or gender fluid and non-binary. So Maria has a girlfriend and Maria is bi. Now let's forget the labels for a while and let's talk about attraction. Maria is sexually attracted to both women and men meaning she shows sexual interest or desires sexual contact with people who are women or men. When we talk about sexual attraction, we talk about sexual orientation. Important. It is not a choice or preference. Sexual attraction and any kind of attraction can be from a variety of factors, including, but not limited to, gender identity, gender expression, and sex assigned at birth. So, sexual attraction is not only and always about genitals as many people think. For some people it is, but for some people it is not. Similarly, it is not only about how the other person looks. Sexual orientation includes many identities, some of these is being bisexual, as Maria is. Bisexuality also works as an umbrella term for people who are just attracted not to only one gender. This umbrella can include pansexuality and polysexuality. Polysexual is the person who is sexually attracted to more than two genders, many genders, but not all genders. And pansexual is usually a person who is attracted by all genders. For me, as a pansexual person, pansexuality means being sexually attracted to people regardless of their Their gender identity. Again, it is helpful to think of sexual orientation, not as much as a binary, rather as multiple spectrums that intersect. Another sexual orientation is asexuality. As asexual people are usually identified individuals who generally do not experience sexual attraction to others of any gender. One example, I'm always thinking when talking about sexualities, and especially asexuality, is ice cream. There are many, many flavors. You can mix and match for your eyes, or you can decide not to have any if it's not for you. Being asexual is often used to mean not liking ice cream in general. An important note here is that being asexual does not mean necessarily that you don't like sex or don't feel romantic or any other kind of attraction. Romantic attraction is the desire for romantic contact or interaction with another person. Romantic and sexual attractions can identify, but also can be separated 
related. For example, my cousin Maria is bisexual because she's attracted to women and men, but she is not bi-romantic, meaning being romantically attracted to both women and men. Maria is romantically attracted only to women. According to our previous definitions, she must be a bisexual lesbian, right? No. No, no because Maria doesn't identify herself as a lesbian, but only as bisexual. And every word and identity may mean different things for each person. Maria does not feel a lesbian, so she is not one. Finally, as straight usually identify individuals who are women and men and sexually and romantically attracted to men or women accordingly. Similarly, with any other sexuality, straight people can have any sex assigned at birth, any gender identity and any gender expression. So, we talked about sex assigned at birth, gender identity, gender expression, sexual orientation and romantic orientation. What we mentioned more or less directly is that none of these categories is explaining, causing or directly connected with the others. Any identity of each category can be met with any identity of the others. For example, my sex assigned at birth is female. My gender identity is cis woman. My gender expression is soft butch. My sexual orientation is lesbian. My romantic orientation is panromantic. But from all these, I usually identify as a cis lesbian woman. Maybe I will mention the others in a context I believe they matter, or maybe I will mention none of them. Nonetheless, it is just me. The most important thing to remember from all this long discussion with so many weird words is that what only matters is how the person feels and identifies. This is who this person is. And that's a good time to talk about queer. Queer is not a new word, but has appeared with diverse meanings through time. First, queer was referring to something strange or odd. Around 1900s, queer started to be used as an insulting word, while talking about same-sex attraction and sex, especially between men. With modern terminology, we would say that queer was used as a homophobic slur. This was the only meaning of queer until the 80s to 90s, when LGBT activists began to reclaim the word and self-identify themselves as queer. Today, queer has multiple meanings. Many people who identify as queer understand queerness as not accepting or being outside of the society's construction of gender and sexuality and being outside of the heteronormativity. This use of queer has a whole theory, or better theories, that we will not cover in this podcast, but it could be a series of podcasts itself. <laughs> For some others, queer is an umbrella term that includes all the LGBTQI plus identities, such as the gay term. For example, instead of saying I am a lesbian, I may say I am queer without feeling the need and the pressure to explain anything more. Queer is also non-binary and non-conforming term used by many people who see their sexual orientation or gender identity as fluid. Especially for gender, we have the term genderqueer, with which identify people whose gender identity falls outside of heterosexual cisgender norms. Sometimes queer seems like getting rid of small restrictive boxes and finding ourselves in bigger ones. <laughs> Speaking of boxes, maybe it's time to talk about the closet. 
please be patient. This is important. And the last thing we will cover today. There is a phrase people within the LGBTQI plus community use named being in the closet. When someone is in the closet means that they haven't shared their LGBTQI plus identity with someone. Closet is a situation that a person may choose or be forced to be. Usually it creates and enhances stress and actually means that the person cannot be themselves openly. There are various reasons for someone being in the closet. Fear of going to prison if their identity is considered illegal in their country, fear of rejection by family, friends, or social environment, fear of compromising their safety or being exposed to abuse, financial, and not only dependence on transphobic and homophobic family members. These are only some reasons, some of many. When a person decides to share their LGBTQI plus identity with someone, we are saying this person is coming out of the closet. The coming out, as we call it, usually doesn't happen only once and not under the same circumstances. It is said that the first coming out is to ourselves, meaning our realization about our identity or identities. After this first coming out, many coming outs may follow. Some of them are more difficult than others. Some are only to one person or to a whole community, such as the school or the working place. Also, a person may come out again to the same people, including themselves, about different identities. Coming out is a very personal and unique process for each one of us, and sometimes we may never come out because coming out is not the goal, at least not in every case. Thinking of my coming out, I am out to my friends and where I live, but I am not out in my hometown. And this is because I am not out to my father. And for now, I don't want to. For this reason, during this podcast, you may learn many things about my life and identities, but you will not learn my original name. As Kate said, whose original name? I know, by the way. Coming out is a very different process for many people. Even though we share many common experiences, our coming out processes are very different. As we said, coming out is a process or an act that the person decides to do. Outing, on the other side, is when a person is forced to reveal their identity or identities by other people or circumstances. Outing is also when a person reveals someone's identity or identities without their consent. For example, if Jay and I were colleagues and I shared Jay's sexuality with our boss, it means I outed them. Outing is not just sharing someone's personal information with a third person. Many times it means putting in danger the person whose identity we shared. Yes, in some occasions nothing may happen, but in other cases this affects the whole life of a person, even their safety. And as a result, this act can be very harmful. For this reason, it is important to ask someone's consent before sharing their LGBTQI plus identities with others. Getting to closure, we would like to thank you for staying while giving all these definitions. Who said that the queer alphabet is easy and the gay agenda is fun and easy? We want to clarify that this podcast is based on our experiences and knowledge while being born, raised and living in Greece and having Western-oriented influences. If you could keep only one thing from this podcast, this would be to respect the self-identification of people. Every person is unique. 
and deserves to be respected for it. We hope this podcast was a good opportunity to learn something more about yourself. And if you have more questions, it's a good thing. We have provided resources regarding the terms and issues we talked about. Stay tuned for our next podcast about intersectionality. Until then, keep querying.